I love it when things work. It aggravates me to no end when I buy something fairly new, especially, and it doesn't work. I will spend a little extra money just to get the extended warranty because I like it to function and I like reliability. Uh, those are two big things. I will look at consumer reports. I will do everything, all my research to find the most reliable widget, gidget, whatever it is, and I want it to work, and I want it to work well. And I want it to work, work a long time. I don't like to have things go wrong. I'm not, I am impaired when it comes to any sense of mechanical skills, computer skills, or anything like that. So if it's a car, if it's a home, if it's appliances, if it's electronics, if it's computers, anything like that, I want it to function. I want it to be reliable. Now, sometimes... I would really, well, no, all the time, I really wish marriage was more reliable and functional. I wish that after 20 years in this gig, uh, that it would be one of those things that would operate kind of on its own. You'd think that you would have figured it out in 20 years, that 20 years of going at this would make it absolutely smooth and seamless, that she would have learned me by now, and she will have gone with me long enough in that, in that length of time that she would have learned this is the way to operate. Not her way, this is the way to operate. But, uh, you know, marriage didn't work that way. Marriage is one of those things that absolutely needs, not monthly, not weekly, but daily, if not hourly, care and attention and fine-tuning and developing and bringing along. It doesn't just function automatically. It isn't always reliable. It's dealing with people and personalities and chemistry and biology, all of that rolled up in, in, into two different people, wired two totally different ways, and yet put together. It's supposed to be lived happily ever after. It doesn't always work the way the movies end in the stories like that. It doesn't always happen that way. And so we've been at this for 20 years, and I really think that in that process it ought to be perfected. You know, when God created the home, He did it after He created the world, after He flung the galaxies out there with, with the word of His mouth, and they just flew through there. We haven't even explored all the galaxies. You think how vast God is in His power and His might and His, and his ability to create the, 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 the huge, and the micro and the macro. But then at the same time, as he comes to planet Earth and he carves it out almost with fingers, like a finger going through the Grand Canyon, creating caverns and creating the differences between mountains and valleys and, and rivers and streams and, and the difference between oceans and lands. And he, he does all of this and he creates it all and he steps back from it all and he says, it's good, it's awesome, it's great, it's right just the way I want it. And then he created man and he says, it's not good. Now, don't take that personally, man. It's not a personal attack from God, okay? That we're not good. It's just that we're not complete. There needed to be something else. So he lays the man down and with God's anesthesiology puts him to sleep and removes from him a rib. Now, why a rib? There's been all kinds of speculation about why the rib, why not the ear, why not the, the eye, why not the foot, why not the hand, different things. And I, I've landed on feeling comfortable with the fact that he wanted to create equality among the two. He could have chosen the foot. Where the, where the man would be on top of the woman. He could have chosen the, the top of the head to, to carve out a, off a piece of man to create the woman, but then that would make the, the woman over the man. But he created it equal. 
He created an equal person to walk along beside through life. Now, again, that may not be exactly the reason God chose a rib. Maybe God's a rib guy. He likes ribs, and he just chose a rib. And, and that's what he went with. God can do whatever he wants to do, and when we get to heaven, we can ask him the whys. But in the midst of that, you think about in all of God's creation of the galaxies and the rivers and the streams and the oceans and the lands, and the very first thing he created for mankind was not computers or cars or boats. The first thing he created for man was not a position at a job that would climb up some hierarchical ladder that would bring you six figures someday. But he created for the man a woman. And he completed the home. The very first creation of God on the planet was creating the family unit. And then he loves the family. God loves the family so much that he continued with that creative process all the way into creating the church As we live in this church age, as we live from the age of Christ's first coming to Christ's second coming, we live in this period of time that many people call the church age. And even when he created the church, he fashioned it after the family. Take your Bibles. We find in the book of Ephesians chapter 5, a passage that we'll look at today real quickly. You can learn as much about what a church is supposed to be as what a family is supposed to be. You can learn as much about how a church is supposed to function as much as how a family is supposed to function. It's a beautiful parallel that runs... That runs. In fact, I have shared a message here at Grace Point from Ephesians chapter 5 on the church, not on marriage. Because there is so much rich development of the church. God loves the church. God loves these who have joined His body today and have become a part of the Grace Point family. He loves His church. He loves His bride and thus enters into the metaphor that we speak of, that the church and the bride are one, excuse me, the church and the family being one, and that Christ is the groom, that we are the bride. Again, he uses the family as that springboard into life. Now, Paul, as we believe, is never married, but yet under the inspiration of Scripture, he gives us tremendous insight and guidelines into what a good marriage can function like. Now, some people... Ladies in particular come to the Ephesians 5 passage and they don't get past the first phrase. The first phrase so turns them off, so checks them out, so says that Paul is some male chauvinistic sucker that, that I don't want to listen to the rest of the things that he has to say. The thing is, is that he has very little to say to the woman because the women get it. The men, it takes several verses, all right, and he has to define it out in detail because men are a little slower, okay, and I admit that. So he gives a lot more instruction to the men. So ladies, if you'll hang on and listen to the rest of what Paul says to the men, any woman in this room, I'll put my last dollar on it, any woman in this room would love to do what Paul said to the man, the woman should do to the man, if she had a husband that looked like that. All right? So let's just begin to just kind of break this apart. And you got Ephesians chapter 5 open hopefully uh, by now. I'll get there myself. Um, Ephesians 5, and let's just read it real, real slowly and, and carefully, and we'll just kind of break it down a little bit. It says in the first part of verse 22, he says, Wives, this is the problem part for many women, wives submit to your own husbands. 
Now again, what does that mean? It means to literally put yourself under the authority. You put yourself under the authority. Now what it doesn't say, it doesn't say that women are the lesser vessels, that women are the lesser human beings. In fact, it says of your own voluntary action, women, ladies, you do this, your husband doesn't make you do this. Wives, submit yourselves. To what? To whom? Your husbands, your own husbands. So it's another thing it's not saying. It's not saying, wives, you're the lesser person of, of humanity and that you need to submit to every man out there, that you are the lesser. Not at all what it's saying. Wives, of your own own discipline, of your own accord, do this one thing, and this one thing will help the marriage chemistry. Because really what we're speaking here, again, it's a synergy. If the woman does what the woman's supposed to do and the man does what the man's supposed to do, the wife does what the wife's supposed to do, the husband does what the husband's supposed to do, it creates this beautiful synergy. But have you ever spun a top on the ground and you see that top and all of a sudden it begins to lose its synergy? All of a sudden it begins to lose its balance? What does it do? It begins to spin off. But whenever there's beautiful synergy, that top is a beautiful thing. When a marriage has got its balance and it's got its speed, it's got its rotation, it's, it, it, it is working beautifully together, it can be a beautiful thing. So there it is. Paul is not being a chauvinistic individual saying, men, make your wives submit to you. He's saying, wives of your own accord, make that choice today to submit to your husbands. But then he goes on and he says in verse 25, it doesn't take him long to deal with the wives. Again, they're faster. They get it faster. Verse 23, he says, for the husband is to be the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so the wives should also submit in everything to their husbands. Then he begins to talk specifically to the husband. He says, husbands, love your wives. Love your wives. Pretty simple thing, right? You said, I love you. I say, I love you. Hopefully you are regular at that. That's a regular part of your life. But do you demonstrate love? Demonstrate love. Don't talk about it. Demonstrate it. What does demonstration look like? He says, you love your wives how? As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. When you look at this passage of Scripture, you're finding that a man's calling is to be like Christ in the home, to love his wife in the same sacrificial love way that Christ loved his church. Sacrificial putting it all on the line because she is worthy, she is beautiful, she is to be loved like that. But also notice what it goes on to say in, in verse 26, that he might sanctify her. What a bold statement. Having cleansed her by the washing, by the washing of the water of the Word. So what does that mean? How is it that I am supposed to sanctify her? How do I sanctify my wife? You know what? Be the spiritual leader. You ought to be the person who sets the bar for prayer in the home. The person who sets the bar for, for, for love in the home. The one who sets the bar for Bible study in the home. The one who sets the bar for church service and involvement in the community. That's the one who sets the bar. 
is the husband. He's sanctifying the wife. But then he goes on. He keeps going. Verse 27, still talking to the man. So that he might present to the church himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle in any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. Again, the challenge to the man. Man, are you being a spiritual leader? Are you loving your wife in such a way that it looks a lot like Jesus? Giving up. Listen, it may mean for some of you men giving up that next big promotion. Just so you can have more time with your spouse and your family. That's sacrifice. You love Christ, love your wife like Christ loved the church, gave up himself. It may mean giving up some of those big, hairy, ambitious goals. Just so you could spend more time with the family. Think about it like that. And then sanctifying your wife, to what degree are you stepping forward and you setting the pace and the tone for the spiritual journey of the family? How much time do you spend praying with the children? Again, you start becoming a man like Ephesians chapter 5. Any woman in the world, I'll put my bottom daughter a dollar on it, would submit to that kind of man. Let's keep reading. Because he doesn't stop there. And again, continuing on to the man, he says in verse 28, in the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Now again, the challenge being to love yourself, love your wife the way you love yourself. You know how that is? Whenever your big toe hurts, your whole body hurts. And you will take care of that body. You'll take care of that pain. You will nourish it. You will care for it. You will tenderly care for yourself if you have any pains in your body. Love your wife compassionately. That's hard for us men because we're not feelers all the time. In fact, many times we fail in that area. But he even gives us clear direction. Verse 29 says, For no one has ever hated his own flesh, but to nourish and cherish it. So literally to nourish and cherish your wife. So that's the challenge to the men. Now there's a lot in there. I mean, I could spend the rest of the day just unpacking those and trying to live it out in my life. And Paul just gives us a whole lot to chew on there. But you know, I like things that can be reduced down. And Paul seems to do that in the midst of this. When he comes to the end, he kind of brings it down. He says, guys, gals, you really want to get your hands on this? You really want to have something to hold on to in your marriage? Ladies, you want to have something to know how to really be good in that synergistic relationship? Here it is. Love and respect. Love and respect. These are the two words that we as, as, as couples must just zero in on like laser-like and just zero on what does it mean for me to love? What does it mean to have respect in the marriage? What he picks up in, in verse uh, 31, he says, Therefore, therefore ties everything back that he just got through saying. He says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife. Beautiful reference here all the way back to Genesis chapter 3 or 2, one of the two. Whenever he institutes the home, he goes on, he says, And, and the two shall become one flesh this mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. 
Again, he associates and compares and contrasts the mystery of the gospel to the mystery of the marriage. And in verse 33, he gives us the two handles that we can hold on to. One for the man and one for the woman. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself. And let the wife see that she respects her husband. Love your wife, men. Respect your husband, ladies. Two challenges right there. Sum it all up. You want to put it down to two words. Love and respect. How deep is your love? Lori and I were were flying back and forth to Mali. uh, And in that process at 30,000 feet, talking about this gathering, talking about this message, you know, at 30,000 feet, oxygen's a little thin. You start dreaming together. And we thought, okay, what we'll do is we'll share together. Because I can speak maybe to the women from a man's perspective. She can maybe speak to the, is that right? To, to, to the men from the woman's perspective, something like that. Some kind of combo here. And I thought, well, I can maybe talk about what it means, ladies, what it means for, I think I can speak for most of the men here, about what it means to respect, what we want in respect. Now, I, again, you talk to your husband this afternoon, he may add five more things to the two things I'm going to give you. I'm just creating conversation, all right? And what Lori's going to do is she's going to speak then to the men, right, about how to love a woman. Um, you know, I was thinking about what to share with the men on behalf of the women. I think the women would agree probably with what I'm going to say. But I think I will get probably the biggest amen that maybe we've had in here yet this morning when I say this phrase right here. And probably the women will chime in too because they know this is true. Are you ready, men? Talk about sex or what? Okay. <laughs> they would have been said amen okay. right, right then. Right, they missed right. that cue. Okay, so here it goes. Women are extremely emotional creatures. See, I even heard the women in there too. They, they agree. But file this away, okay? Women were intentionally created and crafted on purpose by God to be this way. (laughs) And the women got a little bit louder there in that one. And and so, okay, so men, what you can do to communicate the very first point, how I'm going to tell you that you can love your wife, is I want you to elbow your wife right now. I want you to sit on the edge of your chair, act like you're a little bit more interested. Ask her, honey, can I borrow a pen? Go ahead. Yeah. I want to take notes on how I can love you better. And what you just did in doing that is you just demonstrated to her the very first point, which is love her value. Proverbs 31.10 says this. It says, an excellent wife, who can find? She is far more precious than jewels. See, you thought when you caught your wife, you thought when you were dating her that she was excellent. And then you got married. And then questions begin to arise and doubts begin to set in. But I'm going to tell you two ways that you can do this. I'm going to give you two ways that you can love her value. The first one is to seek and the second one is to speak. Okay? The first one is this. Me and you are conquest kind of people. You should be on a conquest to hunt out, to dig for what is precious inside of your wife. Now, if I were to give your wife a survey, okay, and I were to ask her this question, What value do you feel that you are to your husband? Would your wife say, A, my husband's words and praise are about as commonplace as clipping his toenails. It happens every once in a while and only when needed. Or would she say, B, my husband knows more details about his Harley Davidson two-cylinder V-twin four-stroke king classic than he does about my day, desires, and dreams. I had to look that one up. Mm -hmm. Were you impressed? I was. Thank you. 
I don't even know what it is. <laughs> I'll come up with a different illustration for you, babe. <laughs> Hebrew, Greek, something like that. All right. C, my husband thinks I'm as confusing as putting a puzzle together with missing pieces and blindfolded, and so he gives up completely. Or D, my husband seeks me as a treasure, digging deeply to find the precious that is hidden with me, within me. When you do that, and you seek out that value, and you find it, the number two is you speak it to her. You see, men are turned on by what they see, but women are affected by what they sense. Right, women? Right, women? <laughs> she desires, listen, men, I want you to understand this. Your wife desires that you be pleased with her. Now, although her identity should not be wrapped up completely in what you think and what you say, she is like walking around with a collection bag, and she is taking cues, and she's collecting words from you in this collection bag within her heart. Is her bag empty, or do you toss her a bone every now and then, you know, just to keep her happy for a while? Or does your wife's bag, is it overflowing with the kind of value, does she know Beyond a shadow of a doubt, 100% that you value her above all else. A woman who senses and believes that you love her and value her above everything else is a woman who is secure, feels safe, and confident. And even at times when you're around her and you think, man, she's an emotional tsunami right now. If I go near her, she will bite my head off. Okay, because I I admit we are like that at times. Be a man. Be a man. Go forward anyway and communicate this to her. Maybe it sounds something like this. Look, honey, I know you're tired. I see everything that you've been doing today. I understand why you might be exhausted. As a matter of fact, I can't even imagine how you even hold everything together. Thank you. Your wife, her demeanor will completely change. But women, listen. When your husband begins to speak this to you, don't get on to him because he didn't cover it all. <laughs> okay? Just recognize that he is attempting to seek out your value and to speak it clearly to you. So love is more than words. It is actually what we do with those life-giving opportunities to pour into one another. And one of those, to speak to the ladies for a moment, is the idea of respect. All right, now how do you respect a man? Again, I can give you two, but your husband can give you five more. So we'll just start the conversation here. But I think most men would agree with this, that you need to respect the conquest. All right. We are on a mission at everything that we do. All right. We are on a mission. You getting you was a conquest. I promise you. All right. You are a part of the conquest. Work is a conquest. We are wanting to be number one on the job. We are wanting to climb the the corporate ladder. Driving to grandma's house on July 4th (laughs) is a conquest. Now, tell me if I'm wrong, men, whenever you have to get off because the lady has to go to the bathroom, that is defeating the road uh, conquering uh, part of you that says, I just lost those cars that I just passed. And if you're like me, you're literally watching, okay, thank you, uh, you're literally watching what was the last car as you're getting off the exit ramp, what was the last car? Because it's now your goal to pass it when you get back on. Is that all right about that? Raise your hand. All right, thank you, brothers. Uh, I feel the. I feel it. Problems are a conquest. If you come to us with a problem, I know you don't always want an answer, but you're going to get one. All right, because we are about conquering. 
All right? The conquest is very important to us. God wired us that way. I realize that we don't have to have an answer to every problem. And I realize there's two sides to everything that we're going to say up here. So we're only giving you one to get the conversation going in the home. But, you know... Work being that thing that we spend so much time at, and I know that we have dual income families, and I know that creates dynamics and all that, but I can tell you this from a man, whether it's dual income or single income or whatever, that man's mission every day is to conquer his job. And one of the ways that you can respect your husband, and it sounds so stupid and crazy, I know, is sometimes some special way, just tell your husband, thank you for working. Now, I know you may work too, and I know you may pull down half the income, and you may do this and that, but tell him, thank you for the job that you do, that you pour yourself into so that our family can be where it is, so we can be financially secure. Thank you for the hard work instead of what you say whenever you call. When are you going to be home? Are you working late again this week? Da, 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 da. And I know that that's a bad You say habit. that like I said Well, that. I know it. But... Um, <laughs> The, 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 act, the idea of working is one of those areas that we conquer. Whatever it is that we're about, whether it's Little League Baseball with the kids, thank you for coaching the kids. Respect is important and valued. Dale Carnegie said it like this, truly respecting others is the bedrock of motivation. But men, let me speak to you for just a moment and just say this. That just because you conquered your wife when you lassoed a ring around her finger doesn't mean the conquest is over. Continue the quest. Continue to understand and seek to understand her emotions, her thoughts, her angles, her feelings, her processes. And I, I promise you, it'll be a 25, 30-year journey, however long you're married. And it will be never-ending. It is a daily conquest. But don't get tired of the conquest. And actually, the women want you to be on this, con- on this conquest. They want you to pursue them. Your wife is still inside that little girl in the playground that you chased around, all right? She still wants you to chase her, although you've already got her and captured her. But what she wants you to know now that you've already got her is she wants you to understand her and to know her heart, okay? That heart is that central place in the circulatory system that, that gives off blood and oxygen throughout the whole body. And when it's functioning right... It, everything is well, but when it's not, then your, your body seems com, you know, to be debilitated or completely will lose life altogether. And your wife is this way. When she feels crushed in spirit, which at times will seem completely emotional and dramatic to you, but when she is feeling, right women, but when she is feeling crushed in spirit or if she feels like she's being overlooked or she's unattractive attractive, or she feels like maybe she's being stepped on, then in her, within her and throughout her whole body, because everything flows and everything is connected within her, it's the way that she's been wired in her software department, it all feels this way. There's a verse in First uh, Peter uh, 3.7 that says this. It says, likewise, husbands... Live with your wives in an understanding way. Show honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. Now, there's two ways that you can love her heart. First, you love her value. Second is you love her heart. And there's two ways you can do this. And the first one is this. Concentrate. Okay? Men, look at me. Look at me. Focus. Okay? When we're talking to you and your wife is talking to you, focus concentrate in on what she is saying because what she really is desiring with you is intimacy. Now, I didn't make this up, but when I read it, I thought this is a perfect definition of intimacy. It says this. You should be taking notes, by the I've way. I've got them here. Okay. 
It says this. Just divide up into syllables, men. Say it. Intimacy. Now let's say it in syllables. Say it slowly. Into me see. Was that a Okay. <laughs> say it, men. Come on, say it with me. Into me see. That's right. Your wife wants you to know her. You want to know her physically. That's how you feel intimacy to you. Okay? But just as you crave physical intimacy with your wife one day a week, heaven forbid, not excuse me, I didn't say that right. <laughs> Daily. Woo, Freudian slip. All right. This <laughs> is you crave, crave this daily, heaven forbid, one day a week. Your uh-huh. wife create, craves this emotional intimacy also with you daily. And when she doesn't have it, she feels on the inside, just like you do. She's going to dehydrate, okay? The second one is to not only concentrate, but initiate. There's a verse in Proverbs that says this. It says, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding but only in expressing his opinion. Your wife, although I know Mike said you want to solve her problems, she actually doesn't want you to do this. She doesn't want you to, right women, right? She does not want you to solve her problems. So you're thinking, okay, well, how do I initiate? You know, what do I do? But if you're focusing on your wife and you're hearing past her words, past her tone, past her tears, past all the emotions and everything, what you might hear is she's just desiring for you to listen. You might hear she's she's really craving for you to to lower the tone of your voice. What she's really craving wants you to initiate is prayer inside the home. Or for you to rise up and be a man and be the spiritual leader in your family. She is not intending, listen to me, man. She is not intending to communicate to you, although you might receive it this way, that you are a failure or that you're not doing it right. What she's really wanting to communicate to you is if we could do this And if you could understand this within me, then we're going to be closer here. That is what she desires. It's just like if you go to pop the hood, except for, I know you already said you're not a mechanic, Mm -hmm. okay? But most men, if you go and you pop the hood on the car, what do you do? You kind of, you pop the hood and you're looking at it, right? And you walk over here and you listen, you're looking at that angle, you might fidget with something a little bit. And you walk over here and you're looking at that angle, you might lean in and, and you might listen. And you might actually close the lid having never fixed the problem at all together. And that is what your wife desires. If you will do this with your wife, you lean in and you listen. And even though you feel you may walk away having never fixed anything, you will have communicated to your wife that you are concentrating and you are initiating intimacy with her. One of the things that I said, even listening to both of us talk, you will see almost what will appear as a contradiction. Because it is a contradiction. We are so wired so differently that what we are having to do is this is the synergy, this is that working, this is that tug and that pull and that working together. We're seeing it from two different angles. And so as I'm sitting, as she's sitting here saying, listen with your hearts and all that kind of stuff, listen to this next one. You can respect a man because he is very fine with shoulder-to-shoulder relationships. All right? He's very fine with a shoulder-to-shoulder relationship. Now, I know women are face-to-face and and, and, and heart-to-heart and and all that kind of stuff. But men can be like this at a football game or at a movie theater. Or, listen, you can be talking and a newspaper could be held up in front of his face. And he is completely fine with that level of relationship. 
Now I know to you as a lady, it is a major, you're, you're dissing me, you're, you know, you're not paying attention to me, you don't care about what I'm saying, but we really do, we're just multitasking. No, that's not, that's not a good answer. Uh, what, but what we are doing is we are fine with this, all right? That's why we can go to a game, we can go to a movie, we can, you can be in, in the kitchen cooking, cleaning, folding clothes and helping the kids with the laundry and where do we want you? We want you in the same room with us, not to talk even, all right? We just want you in the same room with us, all right? Shoulder to shoulder. I, I love it whenever I heard of this, this, this life, this, this life, this wife who, uh, who was tired of pushing against her husband going to the deer woods uh, every season and spending all this time out in the deer woods. So she said, okay, I'm going with you. And I want to go with you. I want to go with you. So she was trying to connect with him. And so he goes, okay, you don't know what you're getting into. So he went and bought her camo. He went and bought her even pink camo accented things. Which, her, by the way, I have camo yeah, with a pink mossy. Yeah, that's right. right and so it wasn't her, it wasn't us going, but this is a true story. And this couple, and they go out and they climb into a tree stand and they sit there in this two-person tree stand for hours, shoulder to shoulder, and he told her, you can't say a word. <laughs> Now, that was torture for her, but you know what he said when he climbed down out of the tree stand, didn't even get a deer? He said, honey, that was awesome. Because what he did is he spent time with her, and that was good enough for him, but it wasn't necessarily good enough for her. So I want to say to the men, men, this may be good enough for you, and ladies, you need to realize that this is quality time sometimes when you're sitting in a movie theater and you're not even looking and talking to each other. But for a man, that's good enough. And so sometimes that's all you need to ask. But then I want to say to the men, men, there's more. I just really want to say kind of in wrap-up, and again, we could probably give out 15 or 20 other different ways to respect and to love a woman, uh, and to love a man, or excuse me, respect a man and love a woman. But as I sit here and I think about this, you know, Passion and attraction is what brings you together. But it's love and respect that feeds the relationship. Passion and attraction is really what that spark, that flame, that, yeah, I love you, I want to be with you. But when you're 20 years into your gig, there is no guarantee you'll have another 20. Unless there's love and respect. In fact, University of Washington did a study in 20 years. Listen to this. 2,000 couples that were married 20 to 40 years. So this is a lengthy study done over a long period of time, done over couples that were married to the same partner for 20 to 40 years. And it was interesting as you just kind of peel back all the diversity, all the socioeconomics, the education, the occupation, the styles, what, what, what the professor found, what there was one common characteristic that these, these couples that went so far, so long, and did so well in all the midst of the diversity, what, that they held them together, and it was the way they communicated. And literally from his own words of his own study, he says a strong undercurrent of two basic ingredients of love and respect. Love and respect. Now I can tell you this from personal experience that Lori and I spent seven years of our marriage. And 
I would have to say in the first seven years of our marriage, she was busy with two preschoolers and I was busy pastoring a church and going to seminary and, and doing all of that. And I couldn't even spell love and respect. And it was not there for us. Well, pretty much we were more like on survival level is mm-hmm. what it was. I mean, we were married. We were doing ministry together. He was a pastor. I was a pastor's wife. And we were doing ministry together, but we were just surviving. And it was about the seven-year mark that God began to move us to Africa, okay? And so he's stripping Mike. He's stripping me. Mike has lost his identity as a pastor, church leader, ministry, and so forth. I've lost my identity in, in the home that I had and the friendships and ministry that I had going on. And God took us to a little farm community to do missions training and then dropped us off in a remote place in Africa, but it was at that mark, it was at that seven-year period that we began to see things a little bit differently. Our, our relationship, you began to could see the, the fractures that were in the relationship, mm-hmm. the, the holes that were there that we didn't see that were there. It began to be exposed that we, what we thought was a strong, healthy marriage ended up being a propped-up marriage. Yeah, so don't don't hear everything that we're saying and think, man, they've got it all worked out, they've got it all perfected, because it was a process. It was a long, hard work process that took sacrifice on both of our parts. But there was a time in that seven years, after about a year and a half of, of being away from everything and everyone, every way that we thought and had our identity in, that we woke up and looked at each other completely differently. And we literally looked at each other and said, you know what, we've arrived at a different place in our marriage. We are... And this came from him, not from me. We are best friends. Yeah, it was, and I wouldn't have, I wouldn't say that because I mean because the message and it all fits in here nice and neat. I wouldn't say that we uh, we loved and respected each other, but that's what it was. We we learned whenever we only had each other, we learned that that if this is going to work, uh, because we fought big time in that seven year mark, um, that. There's going to have to be love. And the only way we became best friends was when we, she loved me and, and she respected me and I loved her. Not to say that the man doesn't need respect or need love, and, but it's just that, that, that prominent, dominant thing is the man needs that respect and the woman needs that love. And it's, we're commanded almost to do the opposite of what God has wired us to do in that. But the thing is, is, is even in this process that we're still in, Okay, we're still in process of being married and learning to love and respect each other. We also realize that out here that you guys are also at completely different phases. Some of you, you're not, you're not even married um, yet. Um, and the best time to get ready <laughs> to, to, to go into the marriage thing is love and respect. Learn it now. Don't wait seven years till the wheels start falling off, the fractures start happening, and the, and the attraction and the romance has kind of faded off. Put that in in the beginning. Build that in. But in that building that in, you've got to realize the process that you're in and the things that God is God is at work in your marriage and in you. Even if you're in a process of transitioning, maybe you're moving away from here, moving here, maybe you've taken a new job and you've got less pay, but they've got more demand. Maybe you've got preschools running around, preschoolers running around. Maybe you're both working dual jobs. This is a process of learning love. and It is a journey of learning love and to respect each other. And I think, I think just to close, and, and that is that the, the things that we learn in this, 
And I know that in this room there are different people in different different stages, different couples at different stages. And maybe you're here and your spouse isn't here and you wish your spouse was here and you're going to download the CD or download the, the, uh, the, the message and make sure he gets it uh, or she gets it or something like that. You've got all these, these different tensions rolling around inside of you. And how do you do this when the other one's not doing this? And I think there's two key elements, and that is unconditional love. The man has got to give the woman unconditional love. And the woman has got to give the man unconditional respect. means even when he's not loving you, you're respecting him. Even when she's not respecting you, you are pouring on the love. Otherwise, you stand at tensions with one another waiting for the other person to make the move. And you know, you think about Jesus and what He did for us. He made the move towards us. You talk about perfect love. We talk about, we had that, 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 that opposition of love. Perfect love is what He gave us. And so, you know, we're just going to have a song. We just want to sing it over you today. And this may be a time as a couple, you just need to stop and reflect. You may want to come and kneel here and pray. Whatever, this is your time. Let this be a time where you pray and you seek love and respect in your marriage.